As always, this is narrative bonus content, so if that's not your cup of tea, please feel free to skip right on back to the main content. Morning, morning, hello, hurry up, look, just get in here and close the door after you. If there are any late students, they can just hang around until the end of the lecture and pick up the notes. Can't stand tardiness. Right. Name's Tumblebrook, Professor Merwin Tumblebrook, and welcome to the start of this season's lectures on classical civilizations. I take it Professor Oxbridge already covered the basics of the rise and fall of Tyre? Good. Well, today we're talking about giants. Right, how much do you know about giants? You, go on, with the big air. Right, big, dumb, living caves. <laughs> right. Okay, you with the fancy blue shirt. Yeah, you're right there, there are several breeds of giant, although a bit more than just ogres, trolls, goliaths and ill giants. Uh, anyone else? Yeah. No, no, it's fine, go ahead. Oh, there we go, something a bit more romantic. Cloud castles of the sky, giants of ice and fire and stone. I don't know what you're all laughing at, she's been the most right so far. Yeah. Yes, go ahead, Miss Grangel. <laughs> on the money there. I'm glad at least one of you has even heard of the Jotun. Right, let's set some facts down. There are many races of giants, and yes, the term is race, not breed. They aren't dogs. Ogres, trolls, and hill giants are the most common, and those are the ones we still see today. There have been confirmed sightings of stone, fire, and frost giants in Aldanos. The existence of storm giants and cloud giants is less certain, but they reference frequency in classical texts, and consistently enough that we feel confident they did exist, although their abilities may have been exaggerated in the telling. One thing they weren't was stupid, well at least not as a whole. There is a pervasive myth, dating back to the elven scholars of the Tyrian Empire, that giants are bumbling idiots, and a lot of Tychus's comedic plays do involve a bumbling giant as an antagonist reflecting that belief. The main proof held of this was that the giants didn't write anything down, and were held to thus be quite barbaric. On the contrary, the giants of the Jotun Confederacy clearly possessed intelligence and organisational ability, evidence in the ordered structure of their many kingdoms across Aldanos and northern Jova, and the complex web of trade and alliances that unified them. Now, they disdained writing for cultural reasons, believing that it dulled the mind and allowed the mental muscles of memory to grow lax. You might have had a point there. They had a complex oral tradition instead, passing down history, tuition, and even complex technical information through poetry, song, and meter. Considering we know that giants invented wizardry, passing that level of information down by word of mouth is actually pretty bloody impressive. Now sadly, that lack of a written tradition is what makes it so hard to know about the giants of the Jotun kingdoms. A lot of the blame can be laid at the feet of Tyre here. During their later conquests, the Tyrian elves believed in systematically wiping out the histories of their vanquished foes in order to prevent later uprisings. With human and halfling kingdoms, they destroyed written records. With giants, they engaged in wholesale slaughter of their poets and scalds. This is what we do know. The Empire of the Giants was never as unified as the Tyrian Empire. It was a loose coalition of often feuding kingdoms, collectively known as the Jotun. Now, we don't actually know if they referred to themselves as Jotun, and there was no single Jotun kingdom, but that's what the elven scholars wrote down, so that's the word we use. Like the elves of Tyre, the actual gigantic population was small compared to the subject population of common races, maybe 3-5% to of the total population. Now, given how much giants have to eat, you can see why. 
Now, they'll have given military protection and government to their subjects in exchange for regular tributes of food. Modern hill giants are known to eat more than they're capable of hunting or gathering. They, those giants either have to trade for food from farming communities, or just strip a region bare entirely of anything they can eat before they move on. We've never actually observed giants farming in the modern day, but again we're pretty sure giants would eat more than they could be able to produce by working a farm. On the other hand, with food from their subjects, giants were able to devote themselves to study, leisure and war. One notable absence amongst their topics of study, however, was religion. All of the giants of the Jotun kingdoms were distinctly atheistic, refusing to worship, honour or even acknowledge the pagan gods of the time. Surviving records of their creation myth hold that the gods as a whole were responsible for splintering their species into the five true giant races, storm, cloud, frost, fire and ill as well as the giant kin such as ogres and trolls, who were considered outcasts and pariahs even during the days of the Jotun. Funnily enough, stone giants actually aren't directly mentioned. Uh, it's kind of assumed that hill giants and stone giants in the early days weren't really distinguished between. Anyway, I bribed some hill giants I've met firsthand with quite a lot of food in order to tell me their myth, but it seems a bit confused in places. The Tyrians butchered the oral tradition when they butchered the scouts, and there's huge gaps in what's left. What I heard, however, suggests that there was a race of true giants that made a pact with the gods for power. A handful of them were raised up into the storm giants, more of them became cloud, frost and fire giants, but the vast majority were warped into hill giants and giant kin, uglier and less intelligent than their forebears. Enraged by this particular betrayal, the giants tore down all of their temples, burnt their idols, and forswore to worship ever again. Ultimately, this didn't work out for them. We currently believe that the component kingdoms of the Jotun began to appear sometime around the 21st to 19th century BR, before the Regency, spreading into a loose alliance that reached its golden age between the 16th and 11th centuries BR. Now, kingdoms were arranged feudally, with royal families and subordinate dynasties of the purer giant blood, so storm, cloud, frost, or fire, and a much larger population of hill giant lords ruling over subject villages. Now, kingdoms usually had one line of pure giants among the aristocracy, with only occasional mixing, although hill giants were found in every kingdom. In Jova, they ruled over halflings and humans. In Haldanos, their subjects were mostly goblins, with a handful of humans as well. Now, the Jotun had a well-established legal code, a tradition of theatre and poetry, a robust trade network at their height, and a working tradition of arcane magic, with sufficient leisure time that a surprising number of giants were actually capable of wizardry. In fact, many of the uh, low circle spells we use today are based on principles worked out during the Jotun Age. Now, although uh, true castles built on cloud, as the fairy tales go, were unlikely with the magic they had at their disposal at the time, it would have been easy enough for them to construct castles of hardier materials, such as stone, and then create the illusion that those castles were made from cloud in order to impress their subjects. Now, in the late 10th century BR, the young and then ambitious Republic of Tyre had already conquered much of southern Jova, and had set its sights on the north. 
The attempts of the elves to conquer the northern human clans pushed them into conflicts with the giant kingdoms already there. After a series of early military victories, the Tyrians felt sufficiently emboldened and pushed even further north, whereupon the giants called in their dynastic allies and the three-year First Jotun War ensued, resulting in a crushing defeat for the Tyrians. They were forced to cede some of their own northern territories and pay 20 years of tribute as reparations, which they did. And at the end of the tribute period, they humbly signed a 50-year peace accord. The thing about elves is the buggers lived for centuries, and they're certainly old grudges. The Tyrians reorganised their military and they made plans, waiting for the opportunity. In 863 BR, it came. The Jotun alliance split over an internal war of succession, the majority of which took place in Haldanos, with the Jovan kingdoms largely staying neutral in the conflict. The Tyrians launched the second Jotun war on the northern giants, with better results than their first foray to the north. Now, there were two major components to their victory. Firstly, the Jovan giants didn't have the military or economic support of their Aldanic brethren, which is what gave them the crushing victory of the earlier war. Secondly, the Tyrians had restructured their military to include regular support from war clerics, which of course is standard practice in modern armies, but they were the first to do it. Now the giants had wizards, which the Tyrians didn't, which meant they had a lot more firepower and logistical support, but they disdained religion so they lacked the healing and long-term moral support of clerics that allowed the Tyrians to sustain their soldiers over a campaign. The Second Jovan War lasted six years, ending in a victory for the Tyrians, who drove the giants back to Aldanos, or else into the wilder, less fertile lands within Jova, where, over the next few decades, they would eventually be wiped out or subordinated. Now, the death knell for the Jotun alliance came in the Third Jotun War between 842 and 824, I know it's confusing, <laughs> BR. In retribution for the previous war, the Jotun alliance made preparations after resolving their war of succession for a war to retake northern Jova and punish the Tyrian Republic. The fire giant general Soto took a flotilla of ships and sailed around to the western edge of Jova. Now at this time in history, the whole of northern and western Jova, including much of modern day Brighthall and Wending, was covered in the Great Jovan Forest, which had a reputation for deadliness on par with the Great Forest of Meadmere today, which is actually the largest surviving portion of that ancient forest. While the Tyrians were not a prominent naval power, they did have a disciplined and capable land army, and coastal defences capable of fighting off an invasion by sea. Since the Great Forest was quite sensibly considered to be impassable, they didn't bother preparing any defences to the west. So Soto did the impossible. He landed on the western coast of Jova and crossed the Great Forest with an army, including mammoths from northern Aldanus. Now he lost about half of his army during the crossing to the forest's various monsters, and most of his mammoths to the heat, but he still managed to emerge with an army of 20,000 goblin infantry, 4,000 of goblin cavalry, a core of about 80 ill giant elites, and a dozen fire or frost giant mammoth riders. The number of fire giants on foot isn't actually recorded, but it's expected to be about you know, quite small. So Soto 
proceeded to inflict a series of crushing victories against the Tyrian Republic, whose army was almost entirely wiped out in the next two years. The sight of mounted giants was apparently so terrifying to behold that many soldiers just broke and ran as soon as they charged. Soto then rampaged around Jorva for the next five years, conquering settlements and pillaging to support his army. But unfortunately, he wasn't actually able to hold the land once he'd left it. Tyre refused to surrender, and Soto felt that he wasn't actually able to take Tyre's walls, which were quite high for the time. So instead, he hoped to try and force them to capitulate by damaging their holdings. During this time, Tyre rebuilt their army and avoided direct confrontations with Soto, instead working to deny him supplies until 835 BR, he and his much depleted army were recalled to Aldanos due to desperate shortages of food and supplies. If you're thinking that sounds a bit familiar to classic halfling tactics, you'd be completely right. That's where the elves learnt it from. <laughs> anyway, I'll cover more about the halfling generals and large, you know, major commanders in that in another lecture. Now, the Tyrian Senate concluded that no matter how good their army was, they couldn't hope to defeat the uh, Jotun without being able to beat them at sea. So, they took some of Soto's own captured warships and their shipwrights spent the next seven years reverse engineering them and building a navy. Once complete, the replenished Tyrian army and the new navy took the war to Aldanos in a four-year campaign led by the elven general Adran against Surtur. The campaign ultimately proved a wild success, resulting in the sacking, raising, and, if you believe the legend, salting of the earth of several major giant cities. The war broke the Jotun alliance, establishing Tyre as the new dominant force of both continents for over a millennium to come. Now, giant kingdoms did continue to exist after the Third Jotun War, but the alliance was never successfully rebuilt. And in the ensuing centuries, each one was conquered or destroyed by Tyre or its successor states. The Age of Giants had come to its end.